Brilliant, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you um, who don't know me, um, I'm James, and that's my wife, Christine. You give us all a wave. <laughs> um, so we've been coming here um, the journey probably for the last um, five or six months. Um, it feels like uh, far longer, though. Um, not, 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 not in a bad way. <laughs> very, very much um, in a good way. Um, and already um, we feel um, really at home here um, and connected to what God's um, doing um, here and what he's going to do um, in the future. So just to introduce myself a bit, I went to um, school here um, in Downpatrick. Um, I believe I was born here in the Down Hospital. Um, not, not that I can remember that, um, but my passport says it was, and I'm sure my mum could probably uh, confirm that for you. Um, we live um, just out the road um, in Crossgar. So I grew up there, um, always lived there. Um, think I've moved across um, about two fields um, in my whole lifetime. Um, so I feel very much um, connected um, to this area of Downpatrick and just to like, the wider area of South Down. And I remember when I first came here, um, I had a wee conversation with uh, Thomas. And I think it was maybe we're doing we were chatting just about the Crossgar outreach and the Kelly outreach and stuff coming up um, at that time. And he said to me, he says, oh, I feel like people from, you know, Crossgar and Kelly and that, uh, and those surrounding areas, he says, none of them come to Downpatrick. Um, he says, they all head the other direction to like St. Field and carried off and on into Belfast and Lisburn and all. But I think growing up as a family, um, especially with, um, um, I think maybe growing up as a family, we were the exception to that. And um, I remember growing up, um, especially with mum, always remember being um, about Down Patrick, um, and I think we probably were the exception to what Thomas was saying. Um, I don't know if any of you know um, where Super Valley um, used to be, um, in the in the middle of Down Patrick. Um, I think it's in there now, where like the post office is and and B and M and all that. Um, and some of my earliest memories are actually from there, um, going there with my mum um, and my granny as a kid. Um, we used to always go um, and get our shopping um, every Thursday morning. Um, now, why I wasn't in school, I don't know if a clue. Like, you asked, he'd ask my mum about that one. Um, and I haven't done the shopping since, so um, much to Christine's disappointment. <laughs> but all that to say, um, we actually quite like Down Patrick. Um, well, and I know it gets some negative press, um, and especially um, in the last wee while. Um, but I really sense and feel there's a real opportunity here in this church um, and in the wider context um, to see um, a new move of Holy Spirit um, in this area and right through, um, I think in particular, South Downs being an area that's been forgotten in the past. Um, so just at the minute, I just want to thank you all for making Christine and I um, feel really welcome here at Journey so soon. Um, it's really, we feel really at home here. Um, and I suppose as well, just to re-emphasize what was said earlier, just to welcome everyone. Um, whether you've been about for years or it's your first time, you know, it's our prayer this morning that you'll encounter Holy Spirit meeting you this morning um, where you're at. And I hope something um, maybe that I share will be of some help to you. But I know we prayed earlier, but maybe before we like kind of dive in a bit to what we want to talk about, we'll maybe um, pray again if that's okay. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in these moments. I pray that um, something that I would say, God, would speak um, to some people's hearts here. And I pray, as you mentioned earlier, God, that um, people here would really um, know your nearness and know, God, a fresh um, revelation of your Father heart and your love um, towards them and know, and 
help them to know that they are known um, by a Savior um, who loves them and wants the very, very best for them, God. So I pray people would encounter your nearness and your love, God, as we share these um, moments together. Um, so this morning, um, I wanted to talk about a topic, um, or it's maybe more of a discipline, that to be honest, um, is something I struggle with at times um, in my walk with Jesus, um, or I struggle to do it well. Um, but it's also one of those things, um, I believe, um, when we do prioritize it, it's a real game changer. And something that I believe is at the very core um, of being a follower of Jesus. It's one of the simplest um, yet most profound disciplines of being a follower of Jesus. And um, it's just what I wanted to summarize with the phrase, I don't have any nice slides or anything, but um, I just wanted to summarize it with the phrase, um, intimacy with Jesus. And I suppose when I say um, intimacy um, with Jesus, um, it probably brings um, different thoughts um, to different people's minds. But just to flesh it out a wee little, what I want to talk about is those times in life when we simply come and sit at the feet of Jesus and be in relationship with him. And for some of you straight away, you'll be like, oh yes, this is my thing. I love like getting away, being alone with Jesus. Um, but for those of you who love um, productivity and lists and all that, um, this could be like a really interesting talk for you. <laughs> so Christy and I were talking about this actually, it's where the idea for this came just a few weeks ago. And how often when we think about spending time with Jesus, um, our minds um, often jump to our extensive list um, of wants and needs we would like to offload to Jesus. And the talking to God bit um, sometimes isn't a problem. And it's often the listening bit um, that we struggle with. And I think sometimes in our culture where we're proud to be busy, the idea and even the language of sitting with Jesus um, or spending time just sitting in his presence, um, it's almost offensive um, to our doing um, super busy culture. But there's always um, a but. We can see throughout the whole Bible, it's God's desire um, right from the creation of the world um, to be in relationship with his people and to bring us back to that place um, of nearness with him. So just at the outset, I think Thomas has some of these. Oh, he has a wee slide up there. I like that. <laughs> it's very uh, in the moment. Um, so I want to read a couple of verses. Um, there's no need to look them up. Basically, everything we're like, reading here is going to be in Mark 1. So if you want to, or it's actually just one verse, it's not, but the rest of it's all in Mark 1. Um, I really advise if you do have time and you want to look at this in more depth, like read Mark 1 in particular, and if you have time, read the whole, the whole book of Mark. So the verses will hopefully be on the screen. And the first one's just in Mark 1, 35. And it just says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And the second one I just wanted to look at was Luke 5, 15 and 16. And it just says, however, the report went out around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And then it says here in 16, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So I just want to take a bit of time at the beginning and have a look at some of the things um, we see Jesus doing um, and some of the life patterns um, we see him demonstrate for us. And sometimes we read the Bible, you know, I enjoy reading about the things that Jesus spoke and the things he said um, and the things his followers like wrote in the Bible about him. But there's a part of me loves looking at what I want to call this morning, like the ways of Jesus. 
and we can see like how he interacted with people um, and the life rhythms he set up and just generally, I suppose, like how he done his like day-to-day -day life. And this, is a pa this pattern we see like of withdrawing from the crowds to be alone with his father um, is something um, we see Jesus model right through scripture. Um, and really, I suppose, just at the outset, I just want to say um, in simple terms, if Jesus needed to do this, you know, how much more um, do we? And the priority um, of Jesus um, in being alone with his father um, was foundational to every aspect of his life and his ministry. And I've got like a number of things wrote down here. I don't think we'll look at them all in detail because it'll probably take forever, but you can look at some of them yourselves. Um, just a number of different times we see in Jesus' life that we see this pattern and some of the times um, and the ministry things he would have done. So the first one I wanted to just mention briefly was um, it's how he began his ministry. So another wee verse or a few verses there, it's a wee bit longer, but in Mark 1, again, it's like a bit of a theme of Mark 1. Um, so it's Mark 1, 9 to 15. And in verse 9, it just says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And maybe just like a quick note, I think, in the book of Mark. I was reading, like, some people call it a rushed book because, you know, all the other gospels start with, like, Jesus' birth and all the lead up to that and the whole story behind that. But Mark jumps right in here um, to John the Baptist um, and the baptism of Jesus. Um, but I think the book of Mark captures some really specific um, and really like, cool, de cool details um, about the life of Jesus. And it goes on to say in verse 10, it says, And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we hear, see here in this bit that Jesus um, being baptized by John um, and then the Spirit descending on him. And then it goes on to say in verse 12, and then it says, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. And see, it's after this time in the wilderness then, after being alone with um, his father and being tempted, um, that we see Jesus um, begin his ministry. It says in 14, and it says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So after this, as I said, we see Jesus beginning his earthly ministry. And it's how often we see through scripture that he prepared for ministry. And we can already see from these scriptures, we've looked at this pattern um, of Jesus being alone with the Father. And I think I want to just like, highlight just the order of that. He's, he's alone with the Father and then he does stuff. Um, or he does whatever he was going to do and it's not the other way around it's not like he'd done all this stuff and then he went to like get a catch up with the father he went to the father first and then he'd done ministry or whatever he was doing I'm not going into the rest of these in much detail but maybe just mention a few of them it's how he made important decisions um, it's how he dealt with emotions like grief um, we see later on like whenever the news comes to Jesus um, of John the Baptist's death it says in Matthew 14, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place um, by himself. It's how he prepared for important ministry events, um, and then ultimately at the end of his life, it's how he prepared for his death um, on the cross. But I wanted just to make, I suppose, just a more general point um, over all of those. Um, it's how he dealt with the demands of ministry um, and cared for his soul. 
And you know, I was just thinking, we, we need to learn how to deal with the demands in our lives. Um, Joy talked about this um, a few weeks back um, and gave us some really good practical tips um, on how to make time um, and ways to like rest better. And I really advise going back and listen to that because uh, it's really good um, and it ties in with what we're talking about here. Um, and she had some really like helpful tips in that. Um, and here for you, if you uh, made use of like the Epsom salt fit bath, <laughs> which I'm really glad was of help. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even know what an Epsom salt fit bath was, <laughs> but I'm glad you uh, really enjoyed it. Um, but we're all aware, um, we live in a world where we're getting constantly bombarded um, with stuff. Thomas, two weeks back, lifted his phone and called it um, the weapon of mass distraction. And how true is that? You know, we live in a world um, where we're being constantly bombarded with stuff that's looking to take our attention. Hello. <laughs> and some of these will know um, work environments um, are getting more and more stressful um, with the speed things are moving at. And I probably frustrate like a lot of people in work. Um, I don't know if some of you know these type of people that send you these really like lovely worded like emails and it's like, I don't know, pages of stuff and it's oh hi James, how are you going? You know, and it's all lovely, and then I just reply, I just hit the reply button, I'm like, okay, great, thanks, James. <laughs> and uh, I think we've all been there, and you know, people today get offended if you don't reply to their WhatsApp message or their email within an hour. And that's just the culture where we're living in at the minute. And many of us are living in um, high pressure environments. Um, but Jesus, I believe, gives us a model on how to deal with these pressures and these like expectations. And I want to quickly share these verses. I think it's the last bit of scripture we'll look at. Um, I want to share these verses just to show how Jesus dealt with pressure. And I think it's quite um, funny when you see it. And the expectations of others. And this is one of the situations we, we see Jesus again model um, this aloneness with his father. Um, I want to just look at a wee moment just um, from these verses in particular. It's in Mark 1 again. So it says, um, That evening at sundown, um, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So they're doing all this ministry stuff, we can see here. Um, and Jesus healing like um, all these people, um, and they're coming from all around to be to be healed by him. And it goes on to say then, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. So again, we see that pattern. And it says, and there he prayed. And then it says, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. So we can see even from that bit, there's pressure and expectation for here from on him here um, to go back um, and continue um, to heal those people. And I think sometimes I like to like make it into like a context of like here. So you imagine like we've got this like ministry team up and people are like queuing to come and we're having success and everybody's getting healed and it's amazing. And then we go away. But I love what Jesus does here. Um, and he said to them, uh, so yeah, the disciples come and say, everyone is looking for you. So say, with that pressure and that expectation, I want to go back and heal the rest of those people that were waiting for him. But I love what he says here. And he said to them, let us go to the next town that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So as I said before, there's this expectation from the crowd that he should fulfill like his obligation to the crowd. And we see that when the disciples say to him, you know, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus, after being alone with his father, essentially said no. 
um, and moved on to the next village. So we all have these expectations, as I said, put in our lives. Um, whether it's from family, friends, um, dare I say it, church stuff, um, work commitments, um, expectations we put on ourselves, um, even expectations to go or not to go to certain things. And we all have expectations and responsibilities that we need to fulfill, which is part of life, you know, as work colleagues, as husbands, wives, and whatever else. But I suppose the question behind that is, you know, where are those expectations coming from? Coming from? You know, they're not in themselves uh, bad things, um, but are they from Jesus, or are they like distracting, distracting us from his plans and his purposes? And you know, the only way we can really discern this is we need to spend time with Jesus you know, to discern um, what of these are like healthy things um, and what are things um, that we maybe need to get rid of in our lives. And really it ought to be discern what he wants us to do. And I remember actually um, a, quick, um, a quick throwaway comment um, stuck with me um, from a clip of a sermon um, I was listening to. I can't remember like exactly what it was. I know somebody's like some of those people on Facebook and they bring up like the wee like two minute videos or there's like a wee quote from them or something. Um, so it just really stuck out to me, but um, I'm paraphrasing it a wee bit because I couldn't actually find it. But I think it said we need to ruthlessly eliminate anything in our lives that robs us of intimacy with Jesus. So I just said again, we need to ruthlessly eliminate anything in our lives that robs us of intimacy with Jesus. And the timing of hearing that was actually really funny um, because we just got um, our new dog. And I don't know if any of you have dogs here. He was a complete nightmare. He was like an eight-week-old pup. And for those of you who have dogs, at that stage, he wasn't toilet trained. Um, he was like peeing everywhere. He got like one pee cleared up and then it was straight to the next one. And if he wasn't peeing, he was chewing something. And I got to the point after hearing that statement from the sermon clip, I just looked at poor Milo, um, our new pup, and says, well, buddy, there's no other option but gum tree for you. <laughs> well, fortunately for Milo, we still have him. And he's actually a really good dog now. He's uh, coming around all right. But that to say, it's okay to go through busy seasons. Like, we all have those. But there is times um, when these patterns appear and they're not healthy. And we do need to be ruthless and eliminate um, the things that distract us um, from our lives as Jesus intended them to be. And I want to just read, just summarize this wee section, um, a quote from Christine's book. Or, sorry, not Christine's book. It sounds like she wrote a book. Um, it's not Christine's book. It's a book she's reading. Um, it's a book called... Maybe you could start a... Maybe there's something in that. <laughs> Um, it's a book called um, The Gift of Being Yourself by a guy, David Benner, I think he's called. And I uh, definitely recommend it. Um, I haven't read it in full. I have read like the odd chapter and stuff. Um, but it's really helpful when we're thinking about this. And it just says, um, also watch for times when you can be alone with yourself and God. Often these times are already in the rhythm of your week, but are filled with distractions to protect you from solitude. Some, some people have music on whenever they are alone. Others turn to the computer, television, or their phone in ways that serve the same soul-numbing purposes. The possibilities for avoiding solitude are endless. And then she goes on to say, after prayerful reflection to identify the things you, see, things you use to avoid solitude, covenant with God and yourself to set aside some time to simply be still with God in the depths of yourself. Don't give yourself any agenda for this time other than sitting with God um, in silence. 
Now, I know for some of you, that'll probably sound great, and you're wired that kind of way. For other people who get their like motivation from being, from being around people and are quite extroverted, that probably sounds completely terrifying. But we just see this. Uh, we see Jesus model this from these verses we read at the start. He invites us to join him in this place of being alone with him so we too can know the nearness of God as Father. And it's out of this place we can make um, bold decisions um, and share his love with others. And it's out of the overflow of that place. And I would like to suggest that it's out of this place um, of aloneness with Jesus um, that all our life, um, decisions, um, ministry, whatever it is, it must flow um, from this, this place. So I just wanted to take um, for a few moments, maybe just a wee bit of a breather from what we're thinking about. And um, I want to take a, a bit of time and just look at a few like practical points. Um, I kind of use work on my hands, so like standing up here is very different. And I quite like practical stuff and how we can actually implement this, I suppose. And I hope it might be helpful. And I think, I think sometimes when we think about this, you know, it's quite easy, I suppose, to sit here in church on a Sunday and fully chilled out. And we're away from like our routine and agree and think, oh, yes, this is going to be great. I'm going to do it. Um, but often the practicalities of implementing this into our already um, two busy lives um, is very um, different and it's often difficult. So the first thing I want to say, you had mentioned at the start um, that I often struggle with this discipline um, in my day to day. So I'm going to give you like an insight um, into some of how my brain works. Um, in these busy seasons, um, and it goes back to what we talked about before, um, just about um, distractions. So I don't know whether an insight into my thoughts is going to be a good thing or not. Might be, if you knew some of them, it would be poor place. But um, so yeah, when I'm busy, I think the way my mind sort of works, or the way I'm wired, I like to go like flat out and get all the jobs um, or tasks that are in my head done. Um, and I fall into that trap of, oh, you know, once I get all these things done, and I actually make it sound like really like holy and spiritual and all, I was like, you know, once I get all these things done, then I'll spend time with Jesus. Um, and I say, I can make it sound really good in my head. And I come up with all these reasons like, oh, oh, my mind will be clearer. You know, then I'll be able to like fully focus and like it'll be great. Like this is how I'm going to do it. But what I've learned, it's like chasing the end of like a never ending list. You know, by the time I get to the end of my day, and I've done all those things, I'm completely knackered, um, and I just want to like lie up um, and escape from reality um, by watching probably several episodes of uh, rubbish on Netflix, which, by the way, isn't always a bad thing. You know, TV is a great way to chill, and I do, I do enjoy it, but, um, yeah, we've nothing more left to give sometimes by the time we do that. But what I've found is um, the days I prioritize time with Jesus at the start of the day, See all the things I wanted to get done, they fall into place and they happen like so much easier. You know, what would have taken half a day only takes a couple of hours. You know, and the clarity and the clearness we get um, when we partner with Holy Spirit is really special. And there does seem to be an order um, in this pattern we see Jesus demonstrate that it's time with his father first and then he went about his day. I want to share this is a really random story. I don't know why I put this in there. It's really dull, but... Um, Three months back, um, I had a VAT return to do. I don't know if anyone's ever done a VAT return, if you have a business, like Aileen's done one. If you've done a VAT return, it's dull stuff. Um, it's dry stuff, and I really don't like book work. It's probably the part of business um, that I'm not that fussed on. But you can't avoid it. It's definitely much um, a necessary evil. Um, but in the morning, 
I was rushing breakfast and I was thinking um, I'd make the most of the day, get this like VAT return out of the day. I was thinking it was going to take all day. I knew when me had probably left at the last minute. It was probably due the next day or in a couple of days' time. But I actually thought, I don't actually know what happened or why. It'd be helpful if I did remember. But in those moments, I was just like, no, I'm going to like prioritize time with Jesus. So I just sat. I think it was actually late for work. I actually went up to the yard, got the guys away and came back down to the house. And I just sat, uh, put some worship music on, and I read and prayed for a while. So I went up to the office. Um, then it gets cracking on it. I put some music on in the background. And I was just like merrily typing away or doing my thing. I think it's like Sage or like some of those really dull programs. And it dawned on, it dawned on me, I'm almost finished. And it was only like 11 o'clock. I know it's only a really simple thing, um, but I actually looked up and just says, thank you, Jesus. And you often, we see this pattern when we commit our days to the Holy Spirit. He is a way of bringing increase and acceleration and like a supernatural ability to do things, even um, the simple day-to-day things. And I think sometimes we can think of these things in like a big, like miracle sense. But, you know, I think there's an invitation here to like bring this kind of thinking and these rhythms into like day-to-day things and even like the mundane life, because that's in reality where, you know, a lot of our lives are spent in those places. So the second thing I wanted just to mention, this is more still on the kind of like distractions type end of things. Second thing I want to spend or wanted to mention, and I think this is really, really important, and we'd actually been talking about this in prayer at the start, and Thomas mentioned it. I think this is really at the core of a lot of this. You know, we don't we don't spend time with Jesus to somehow earn his like approval or love. You know, the truth is we um, already have that. And what a beautiful truth that is. You know, how how Jesus loves you is not dependent on your performance. See, right now, like as you sit in your seat where you are, you could not be loved any more by your father than what you are now. Now, that's not a license to go mad and live your life thinking there won't be consequences, but I mean that in relation to what we're talking about and about this intimacy with Jesus. And actually, I remember um, a number of years ago, like listening to um, a guy speaking, um, and I talk, he talked about how he got up, I think it was like 5 a.m. or something, um, and he spent an hour or something like that um, reading um, and spending time with Jesus. And I came home from that um, talk, and uh, I can't even remember now where it was or when it was, but I thought, great, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m., I'm going to give this a go. So my alarm was set. Um, I actually woke, like, okay the first morning. I think it was maybe, like, partially conscious. Um, I think the buzz of enthusiasm, though, probably from the night before, sort of, like, kept me going. So that worked sort of okay the next morning. Um, I think it was then like Tuesday morning I got up again. I think my snooze my alarm maybe twice. You know where your like iPhone does that like nine minute snooze thing. So done a couple of them. Did eventually get up and I was kind of like again semi conscious, but I did manage it. And I think by like the third morning, um, I just couldn't do it. And I basically got up ten minutes before work and kind of slipped back into the same old routine. So you know, my enthusiasm for this was short lived. And I think sometimes we've all probably had those type of experiences. Um, And I think the problem with these sort of experiences, we can get sucked into like what I just want to call like comparison thinking. Or like, oh, you know, that guy I talk, I'm I'm saying about, you know, oh, that guy could do it, so I should be able to. You know, and then we get that kind of thinking, oh, I mustn't be a very good Christian if I can't get up at that time of the morning to spend time with Jesus. I just want to like release you in a way from that type of thinking. 
And as I said at the start of this wee point again, like how Jesus loves you is not dependent on your performance. And you, as I said before, as I said before, you, you couldn't be loved any more by your father than what you are right now. And the reality of all this is, you find something that works for you. You know, you you could well be like a a morning person, and the idea of 5 a.m. sounds fantastic. Or like the rest of us, you may be sitting hoping the only time you see 5 a.m. is if you're heading to the airport to go on a holiday. (laughs) And the third thing I wanted to say about this um, was just like, again, it's sort of repeating probably what we're talking about already, but I think that's okay. Um, Doing things out of duty and not love. And you walking with Jesus um, is not a set formula that everyone follows. We are all like uniquely created, um, so find something that works for you. And I think over this too, you know, sometimes we need to stop, I'm guilty of this, taking ourselves so seriously. And see if you try this and try implementing a new life rhythm or spending time with Jesus and it's a full disaster. I would really encourage you to take the attitude, so what? You know, try something different until you find something that does work. So suppose leading on from that, um, the next big question that maybe like naturally leads on from that. So if I eventually find some time in my day that I can spend with Jesus, you know, what on earth do I actually do now? And uh, sometimes when we go up the kitchen, um, Christine's, uh, I shouldn't be telling stories with Christine, it's not fair, but Christine's sitting there um, reading her Bible, or it looks like she is anyway. <laughs> and I ask her, uh, what are you reading? You know, trying to seem like a really good husband and be interested. And um, quite honestly, she sometimes responds and she says, I don't really have a clue what I'm doing. And I think, like, if we're honest, we've all probably been there at some stage or another. And again, for this, like, unfortunately for people who like formulas and clear instructions, um, this bit's really going to stress you out. There is no right or wrong answer. For me personally, um, I love, like, getting into my seat in the living room. I think, like, all men kind of have, like, their seat. Um, and sitting with worship music on. I think it was like my 30th, um, and some of my family um, clubbed together and got me, you ever seen one of those, like, it's like an LG like sound bar thing, it goes below your TV. And if you like your worship music, I'd highly recommend it. Um, as the wee sub thing and all, it sits behind the sofa, it's class. Well, I could sit there with a Bethel or an upper room, worship, or upper room playlist on, so there's a plug for Kingdom Come, um, and slip off into like James's version um, of Heaven on Earth. And worship should be a massive part of this. Um, it's one of the ways Holy Spirit uses to settle my heart. Um, when I come in from work, I do find it difficult to switch off. And uh, worship music is a really big help for me. So we've kind of quickly covered worship. Um, the next one I wanted to mention is, uh, hopefully a given, is reading the Bible. It's a must and still one of the primary ways that God speaks. And we need to have a time, I believe, daily um, at some stage in our day. Um, when we're reading um, the Bible, um, and I suppose in a way letting that read us. And now when I say read the Bible, I'd really encourage you to invite Holy Spirit like into those times as well, and um, he'll bring his word like alive, and it'll make it um, like a different experience. Um, so I also wanted to mention then, um, of course, prayer. And to me, it's something um, we can be doing like all day. Um, I like when I'm driving to work. I kind of get the guys out of the yard and I'm like driving to like a job or something. I've kind of got like half an hour in the morning. 
um, just to be like talking with Jesus. And I think IV prayer maybe more now is like a constant communion, like a kind of like a, a back and forward um, and bringing that into our daily lives and not just, not just like a set aside time. I suppose like we could talk um, about the Bible and prayer for ages um, in themselves. But I believe like the key, the key to all of this and often the bit we miss is it's not just about doing um, lots of stuff. Well, at the heart of this is a two-way relationship. And how often when we get time to pray, as I mentioned at the start, do we just spend our time like offloading um, our extensive list of problems onto Jesus? And as I mentioned, the Bible does tell us to do that. It says to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. But you know, there's a bit we sometimes miss, um, and it's that beautiful invitation to come and rest, get away, um, and sit at the feet of Jesus. And you know, Holy Spirit is always speaking. Um, and it's often us that aren't still enough in our thought lives for us really in reality to have any hope um, of hearing Jesus um, over the busyness um, in our minds. You know, sitting at the feet of Jesus um, in awe, of one, awe and wonder of who he is, not just in a corporate setting here in church, um, but has to be in our personal um, day-to-day lives. And you have all that you're receiving is from here um, on a Sunday You'll probably survive, um, but you'll be in that roller coaster we talked about earlier, um, briefly. You're constantly getting filled up, and then the battery running out during the week, you know, limping in the next Sunday to get filled again. And I think the reality behind this is, you know, we're just wanting someone else to give us something that we won't make time to get ourselves. And we've looked quite a bit at this pattern. Um, with Jesus and um, withdrawn from the crowds to be alone with his father. Um, and it's something he done, as we've mentioned before, everything else. And I think, you know, I think this is something all of us desire, but I think the practicalities of doing it are often difficult and we're always prone to distraction. And it's important to recognize the patterns our minds um, fall into and be aware of them um, and be ready um, to overcome. And I just suppose to quickly wrap up, like I don't really think of like too much more um, I want to say, but just to summarize a bit, you know, the times we spend with Jesus alone, they're not optional extras um, to enhance our lives if we have time. They aren't if we get everything else done, then we'll do it. I believe they're the very core um, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And see all the stuff we do, even the stuff we say we would do for Jesus and church or whatever else, you know, it'll end, it has a purpose for a season, but to sit at the feet of Jesus and worship, uh, what a beautiful thing. And I love that song um, where it says, I'm not actually singing it because that would be awful, but <laughs> all, it says, <laughs> all hail King Jesus, um, all hail the Lord of heaven and earth. You know, To know his nearness um, and be in relationship with him, it's what we were created for. So Jesus, we praise you, we worship you, and we give our lives um, afresh to you, and we say, all hail King Jesus. So I just wanted to give like a bit of an invitation this morning. Um, maybe, as I don't know if Ian wants to come up again, um, and if there's a ministry team, I'm not sure whether there is or not, I uh, want to come up. I just want to give an invitation this morning. Um, if you feel like dry um, or disconnected from God, um, or you've never known the filling of Holy Spirit, um, or you struggle to know his voice, would you come up from prayer at the end? Um, some of the guys, if there is a ministry team, or 
come up and someone will pray for you. Um, yeah, we'd love to pray for you. And uh, that Holy Spirit would fill you and you'd know um, the nearness of Jesus um, in new and fresh ways. Um, and when we think of bringing Jesus into all of life, you into our homes, and I think homes are going to be so important going forward, into our workplaces, relationships, families, all of that. You know, we can't give away, in a sense, what we don't have. And this place of being alone with Jesus um, is the place to come and receive. And it's out of the overflow of this place we get our strength to serve others. And I would suggest not just to survive, um, but to thrive um, in the pressures of life. And um, Christy and I actually went for a walk um, a few weeks um, back. Um, her dad and sister um, came with us, and we were sitting on the top of Doan. It's only we're talking about Doan, that mountain. I'm sure some of you um, have been there. And we're looking down over like Ben Crom and Silent Valley um, and that. And you know, the two, those two bits of water probably hold... I don't know, millions or thousands of millions of liters of water. But you know, if that water like stops flowing in at the top, um, eventually it'll run dry, no matter how big like the reserve. And we need to be getting constantly filled, um, both um, by others um, through things like prayer ministry. And I would encourage you to come up um, if you want prayer, if you're feeling dry, um, and praying for each other. And I'd really encourage you to come to things that kingdom come. Um, it'll be a great time to come um, and to receive. But I think what we've been talking about here, um, these times um, when we're alone with Jesus, um, they're essential um, to keep us filled up and overflowing. And just to finish up, I was just reading um, at the start of Mark um, where John says, and it's only a verse, it says, I indeed baptize you with water, um, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit.